0: Amen. Indeed, we are unwrapping Christmas during this Advent season, and what we discover is, is nothing short of miraculous. I'd like to read a passage of Scripture for you as I begin my message today. It comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke, as was referenced earlier. It's the Christmas story as comes from the Gospel of Luke, which is uh, what many of us are familiar with. I'm going to read verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Hail, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered in her mind what sort of greeting this might be. Wouldn't you? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, since I have no husband? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy and the Son of God. And behold, your kinswoman Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of this holy word. Help us to hear it, understand it, believe it, and then live in response to it. Let us be an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, thank you once again for the gift of this sacred season, which reminds us of your incarnation. Oh, Lord, that you would empty yourself and put skin on to show us your love, to go to the greatest degree to show us that love. Lord, for that we give you thanks. And now, Lord, I give you thanks for giving to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word. To these, my friends and your servants, Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you this morning that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, to me, Christmas is all about surprises. There's nothing more fun than seeing children open up their Christmas gifts, and many times they are completely surprised. I'll tell you this, I remember getting the greatest Christmas surprise ever, the Christmas of 1984. I will never forget it. One of the greatest Christmases ever for me, because I received a gift every American boy would want. Now, leading up to Christmas, I had begged my parents for this gift, and they didn't seem too keen on giving it to me, you know. So I resigned myself to the fact that I was not going to receive it. Well, Christmas morning came, and I ran down the stairs, and my doubts were confirmed. There was no gift that matched the size or shape of the gift that I wanted. So at the end of the unwrapping session, I was a little upset. But then I noticed an unwrapped gift hidden among all the other gifts. And I opened up this gift... And there was a note on top of it that said, Go to the garage to see what this goes with. And I opened up the gift. It was a blue helmet. And I ran to the garage. And I opened up the door. And there it was in all of its shiny blue glory. A Briggs and Stratton go-kart. Ten horsepower. I can't be sure, but I believe I heard angels singing at that point. And here's a picture of me on Christmas morning in that go-kart. Look how happy I was. I ran that thing into the ground, baby. The greatest gift ever. Now, I would learn later, if it wasn't for my father, I would have never gotten it. Thanks, Dad, right? But Christmas is all about surprises. The amazing surprises of God. Now, you can get rid of the picture now. That's a little distracting for me. Christmas is all about great surprises. Now, the very first Christmas began with a huge surprise. Mary got the biggest surprise of her life when the angel Gabriel told her that she was going to birth the Son of God. What could be more astonishing than that? Shock may be a better word. And then Elizabeth was completely shocked when she was told, in her old age, not being able to conceive, that she was going to birth John the Baptist. And we would learn later that they would meet one day, and as Mary and Elizabeth met, the Bible says that John the Baptist and Elizabeth's womb just leapt in that meeting. Now, can you imagine that meeting, folks? Mary, the Virgin Mary, pregnant with the Son of God, and Elizabeth, in her old age, barren. Pregnant with John the Baptist. Oh, the surprises of Almighty God. Christmas is about the joyous surprises of God. So this morning what I want to do is I want to open up the surprises of Mary's story and the Christmas story because it teaches us about the love of Almighty God. Because when the love of God shows up, amazing things happen. You see, the love of Christmas reminds us of the things that God loves to do. And one of the things we see in Mary's story is that God loves to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. I mean, Mary was just a a poor, peasant teenage girl. According to life expectancy of the time, she was between the ages of 13 and 16 years old. Can you imagine that? Had no life experience, wasn't sophisticated, yet God had called her to birth the Son of Almighty God. And at first she couldn't believe it. In the text it says in verse 34, she simply said, How can this be? Lord, how can this be? How can this be that you're going to do this through me? How can this be? I'm just a teenage girl. How can this be? I'm not important. Lord, how can this be? You know many of us have the same reaction when we feel that God wants to do something extraordinary through us we have a a Luke 134 mindset how can this be lord we give excuses we talk about our fear we talk about our inexperience and we say lord how can this be and maybe for a long time god has been tugging on your heart to do something extraordinary through you maybe it's a ministry that God is calling you to start. Maybe it's it's taking some risk in your life and having that conversation, whatever it is. or Or taking a step of faith. And all you can do is give excuses to God as to how it can't be. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not sophisticated enough. I'm not educated enough. Lord, how can this be? If that's where you are today, this is what I have to say to you. It's time to start doubting your doubts and having faith in your faith. It's time to believe in the God who made you and what he can do through you. It's time to move folks from a Luke 134 mindset to a Luke 138 mindset. Because look what Mary finally said in Luke 138. She would say, Here I am, a servant of the Lord. Let it be according to God's word. Mary didn't know much. But she did know this, that God could accomplish whatever God wanted through her. And what we see in Mary's story and what we see through the Christmas story is God will bring in all the power and all the resources and everything we need to accomplish his will through us. We don't have to worry about all the details. God will take care of the rest because God loves to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. If there ever was a story that reminds us of this, it's the Advent story. And why is God like that? You know, I've discovered that, that God loves to do extraordinary things to ordinary people like Mary. Because one of the reasons is, when God wants to work through ordinary people like us, we have to rely on the power of God to get it done. God knows that. When was the last time you attempted something so great for God that you knew you had to rely on His power in order for it to happen? And the other thing is this. God knows that His power is on display through our weakness. And one of the things I've learned about God, that sometimes God is a show-off. And when the world tries to say, well, this person is not experienced enough, This person is not educated enough. This person's a weirdo. This person's messed up. God says, oh, not so fast. Watch what I can do through this person. You just watch. Now, I'm about to share something with you that you're going to find quite surprising. I was a very shy kid. Very shy. Painfully shy. I couldn't look adults in the eyes. And, and in fact, it wasn't until I was a, you know, a, a young teenager that I started to come out of my shell. But even then, I was still a bit shy. And honestly, there's still a little bit of that shyness in me. I mean, I may look calm up here right now, but my heart is beating a mile a minute. This is not as easy as it looks, folks. Okay. It's not. But when I was 19 years old, I was called to my first church. God called me into ministry, and I was terrified of public speaking. Yet at 19, I was going to serve my very first church as a licensed local pastor in Plant City at Springhead United Methodist Church. And I was terrified that first Sunday, preaching that first sermon. I'm sure it was the worst sermon ever preached in Christendom. But that country church, they loved me. They loved me into being a preacher and I will tell you this, church, and every church I've served and every ministry I've been a part of, God has worked through me. He has never failed me. I know that. Like a church like this, I need God's power in order to serve it. I can't do it alone. God has never failed me. And I tell you, God will never fail you regardless of what he calls you to do and what he's calling you to do today. Now, the question is for me, as we get back to Mary, what turned the key for her? At first, she said, how can this be? And maybe gave excuses. But then all of a sudden, later in the story, she says, here I am. Let it be. And you know what I believe? I believe what turned the key for Mary was something the angel Gabriel said to Mary. Take a look in verse 37. For nothing will be impossible with God. Can you say that with me? For nothing will be impossible with God. And that's another thing God so loves to do that we see in the Christmas story. God loves to do the impossible. Over and over again in Scripture, we see that, that God loves to do the impossible. Now, I want you to imagine something. Imagine the fears and the risks that Mary was taking by taking on this assignment. I mean, folks, we sit here comfortably knowing the rest of the story and lighting the Advent candles and know how this thing ends, but Mary did not have that luxury Could you imagine the risks? I mean, imagine for a second that first conversation that Mary had with Joseph when she found all this out. Uh, Joseph, I have something to tell you. I'm pregnant. What? Oh, no, no, no. Don't worry. It didn't happen the regular way. Uh, I am pregnant because of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine Joseph's reaction? That's a good one, Mary. Why don't you tell me another one? Very good. Tell me another joke, Mary. In fact, Joseph was on his way out of town until God got a hold of him. Unbelievable. Now imagine Mary also thinking about how she would be embarrassed when the community found out. The community who would not believe what was happening to her. How she'd be ostracized from that community. How she'd be pushed aside in that community. Yet Mary knowing all the risks. Knowing what could happen to her. Yet because even in the midst of all of her fears, she knew that God could do the impossible. And because of that, she was blessed. Now let me ask you this. Does anybody want to get blessed by God today? You want, raise your hand if you want to get blessed by God. You want to know how to get blessed? The Bible tells us in this story, a little later, in verse 45 of Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth says this. Take a look. And blessed is she who believed, is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord because she believed. Now notice what Elizabeth did not say. She did not say, Mary, you are blessed because you are educated. She didn't say, Mary, you are blessed because you are sophisticated. She didn't say, Mary, you are blessed because you come from the right family. She didn't say, Mary, you are blessed because you are so beautiful. And you've done all the right things. She didn't say, Mary, you are blessed because you are perfect. No, Elizabeth said, Mary, you are blessed because you have believed. You have believed the Lord can do the impossible through you. And I tell you, over and over again with Scripture, we see that, that God uses those who simply believe and make themselves available to God. I mean, the Scripture is replete with it. Listen, Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure, Joseph was abused, Moses stuttered, Gideon was poor, Samson was codependent, Rahab was immoral, David had family problems, Elijah was suicidal, Jeremiah was depressed, Jonah was reluctant, Naomi was a widow, John the Baptist was a weirdo, Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered, Martha worried a lot, Zacchaeus was unpopular, Paul had poor health, and Timothy was timid. Yet God used each one of them. Because they believed the Lord could do the impossible. God blesses us when we say, Lord, take me and use me. I believe you can do the impossible through me. I make myself available to you. I'm not going to worry about the details. I'm going to be available to you, Lord. I'm going to do the possible. You do the impossible. And I believe that personally. A Sunday I came home in my early 40s, came home from church and preaching, and I walked through the door, and I couldn't believe Brandy's face. She said, sweetheart, i got to tell you something. What's that? I'm pregnant. I'm sorry? Holy Moses. Actually, I think I said something else, but I can't repeat it in the pulpit. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. 18 years, told we could never have kids, and yet Brandy was pregnant. We thought it was impossible. Evidently not for God. Christmas shows us that God loves to do the impossible. Loves to do the impossible. But I tell you this, it also shows us that God so loves you and me. This amazing Christmas story. God so loves you and me. Now what do you think is the greatest Christmas carol ever written? Joy to the world? Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer? You know, Grandma got run over by a reindeer? Do some of you like that one? Silent Night? No. No, the greatest... Christmas Carol ever written for me is the Magnificat. The Magnificat. When Mary, later in this chapter, would just... Just shout out and sing out to God all the great things that God had done. All the great things about God over and over again. It's so beautiful. I want you to read it later today. The Magnificat to me is the greatest Christmas carol ever written. Because Mary is expressing to God how great God is. But there is a verse in the Magnificat I want you to notice. It's verse 48 where Mary says... For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Now, some translations say, he has been mindful. The one I like, though, says this. He has taken notice of me. He has taken notice of me. Can you feel that from Mary? He has taken notice of me. God, you have taken notice of me. A lowly servant teenage, peasant girl, you have taken notice of me. And folks, if there is one consistent theme throughout Scripture, it is that, that God takes notice of you and loves you and adores you. But you want to know something? What I've learned in ministry, preaching almost 30 years, that's hard to believe. One, one of the toughest things in ministry... To convince people love is this truth. That God loves them. That God takes notice of them. That God adores them. And if there's only one thing you get out of today's message as you leave, I want you to know that God takes notice of you and adores you. Now, I know many of you are are college football fans. I know that. You know, and I know many of you are FSU fans. Don't worry, I've been praying for you ever since you got the news. And some I've had to offer pastoral counseling to. It has been that rough for some of these FSU football fans. I don't know if you checked Facebook any time in the last two weeks, right? But Terry Bowden, the son of Bobby Bowden, there was a time when he was the coach at Auburn University. And his first year there, he won this prestigious award, the what was called the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year Award. And what was so amusing about it was his father was also nominated for the same award that year, but his son won the award. And there was some, you know, playful ribbing that went on between the two of them, but of course, his daddy was so proud. Well, Terry got up to give his acceptance speech of this award, and of course, he thanked The team and the university and he thanked the coaches and then he thanked his family and this is what he said he said folks you know my mother and how wonderful she is how special she is but let me tell you about my dad he said my dad would always take us to church as children even when we were on vacation he made us go to church and he said one time We were on vacation, and we went to this particular church that was more emotional than we were used to. The preacher was pounding in the pulpit and doing all these crazy things, if you can imagine, and just being emotional, and he was looking out to single out a person, and he saw my dad. And the preacher, of course, saw my dad, and he saw my mom, and they were in the front row of the church, Terry said. The very front row, squeezed in, mom on the one side... Daddy on the other. Five kids in the middle so they would behave. And the preacher looked at my dad, Terry said, and said, You there, sir, do you have faith? Yeah, yeah. My dad said, I have faith. Let me ask you, sir, if I put a two-by-four down here in front, do you have enough faith to walk across it? said, Yes, I have enough faith, Bobby Bowden said. What about this? What if I put that two by four across the two tallest buildings in New York City? Would you have enough faith to walk across it? Bobby Bowden said, no, I don't have that that kind of faith. He said, but what? If somebody was dangling one of your kids on the side of that building, would you still walk across it? Would you have enough faith to walk across it? And Bobby Bowden looked down the row and said, which one? <laughs> now, Of course, at that moment, Bobby Bowden was kidding. But here's my point. Abbott shows us that God didn't ask, which one? Which one should I put skin on for? Which one should I die for? John 3.16 doesn't say, for God so loved the beautiful people. For God so loved the perfect people. Doesn't even say, for God so loved the Methodists, if you can believe that. It says what? For God so loved the world, he did it for all of us. You know, someone once said, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. God takes notice of you. He so loves you and embraces you. And for some of you today, you've never really received that. You've never really embraced God's embrace of you. You've never really believed that God can do extraordinary things through you. You never believed that God can do the impossible. And most of all, you've never believed that God so loves you. So this morning... In this very service, in this very Advent season, it's time for you to receive that. That God loves you and takes notice of you. And when you fully embrace that, it'll change your life. In this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Oh Lord, What a love. What a story. Mary's story, which is ultimately your story, Lord. Working through an unassuming teenage girl. Reminding all of us that you can work through any one of us. Lord, I pray for each and every person in worship today that you would move in their hearts, that you would birth something new through them, that you would remind them that you can do the impossible, that you would show them that you can do the impossible. And most of all, Lord, that you would shower your love on them. May they open their hearts. May we all open our hearts to your amazing love. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Indeed, the Lord is on the way. And thank you so much for worshiping with us Uh, Today, we hope it's been a time of inspiration and, and meaning for you, and we ask you to receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.